0: Hello again, everybody. This is Great Dane Nation, presented by Vegas Insider. I'm your host, as always, Morton Anderson. Well, I had a ton of fun, as I hope you all realized and listened to, chatting with my Hall of Fame brother, Terrell Davis, last week. He's a special dude. He's efficient, as we talked about, and his life is just very interesting to me. I hope you enjoyed it. And the reaction, by the way, to that conversation has been absolutely fantastic. TD is the absolute best. So we truly appreciate the support that you give us out there. Thank you so much. If for some reason you have not heard it yet, you should check it out on Apple, on Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. But this week, we're talking to yet another icon of the game, Buffalo Bills legend Jim Kelly. So I'm very, very excited for that conversation. I've spent lots of time with Jim Kelly at his charitable events up in Buffalo, and I just love the area, and I love spending time with Jim and his teammates from the Bills. So dynamic and interesting. Before we get to that, however, I'm going to welcome in my sidekick, the always affable and exciting and happy happy joy joy tommy freeze pops tom i know you're in a great mood today what's going on buddy
1: uh no i'm not morton what? i am not in a good mood today you know what happened last night on monday night football mm-hmm. well not normal monday night football the extra monday night football my patriots got embarrassed in kansas city and can i just say one thing can i put this on the record here mm-hmm please Brian Hoyer sucks. <laughs> Wait a minute.
0: He was very good at uh, in NFL Europe.
1: Stop that. Brian Hoyer sucks. I do not want that guy to take another snap for the Patriots, sit on the bench, wear a hat, hold a clipboard, give the ball to Jarrett Stidham until Cam Newton's healthy. Get well soon, Cam. Brian Hoyer sucks. Last time I checked, Tom Brady's not available. I'm sorry. He's not. But you know who shouldn't be available either? Brian Hoyer. Why is he in the league? I mean. Wow. Um, dude, he's in the game because he's a veteran. He's supposed to know situational football. What he did at the end of the first half there is Unforgivable, fireable, cut his ass.
0: You you didn't like the way he threw the ball? You didn't like the way he made decisions? Um...
1: He looked like a rookie, Morton. He looked awful. The guy's been in the league for 12 years. He's been Tom Brady's understudy more than anyone else. What are you doing, guy? You look awful. No, done. I'm done with it. I'm not even going to get analytical here. We don't need to look at the numbers. He sucked. It's done. No more. no. No. (laughs) No. Let
0: me talk you off the ledge for a second, because for three Uh, quarters, the Pats looked really good. I have to give big props to Belichick for the way he was able to game plan for the Chiefs and pretty much held them in check. I mean, the Chiefs didn't do anything for three quarters. And, uh, well... Then, you know, the turnovers, as you had alluded to there with Hoyer, didn't help the cause of the Patriots. That's what was the difference in the ball games. I mean, from a coaching standpoint, Belichick did everything he could. The Patriots did everything they could as far as schemes. And eventually the floodgates opened and the Chiefs were the Chiefs. And yeah, there's definitely issues with the Patriots and their quarterback play. There's no question. They're missing Cam. They're missing Brady. So it is what it is right now.
1: I mean, you hit the nail on the head there with the Belichick stuff. You can't give the guy enough credit for what he did last night with the Chiefs. I mean, they didn't score a touchdown until the end of the third quarter. That's unheard of with this mm-hmm. version of the Chiefs, Mahomes and Andy Reid. It just doesn't happen. So to do that on a game day where they traveled the morning of to Kansas City because of COVID testing, I mean, bravo to that guy. But that makes me even more upset with Brian Hoyer for ruining that moment to go <laughs> Well, listen, Mahomes looked
0: human last night. He did. He really did. I mean, and that, to the credit of Belichick and the the scheme there, like you said, for three quarters, it it was a football game. And then the interception started absolutely ruining the Pats' chances. So I remember traveling the day of one time. We were playing the Pittsburgh Steelers at the University of West Virginia. I think it was a regular season game, but we because there's only a two-lane highway into uh, Morgantown, we had to stay like outside and we got caught in the traffic jam and were late to the game. They had to postpone the kick for like 45 minutes because we couldn't get to the stadium because all this Pittsburgh Steelers fans had blocked the road. <laughs> it was wild. I'll never forget it. Did got, you guys get smoked? Yeah, we got blown out. Might have been a preseason game, but nevertheless, it was the most bizarre game. Like running from the bus into the locker room, getting dressed, and running out. Barely had a warm up, and then started playing. It was it was really insane. Hard place to get to, so I can imagine how the Pats were feeling. Travel in the day of the game, and then I guess go to a hotel for two or three hours and and do what you know, take a quick nap. I don't know. That's not ideal.
1: No, and and Morton, you played in Kansas City. That airport is not that close to Arrowhead, too. So once they arrived in Kansas City, they then had to get on the buses and travel, what, another 45 minutes to Arrowhead? So, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. not an ideal travel day for the Patriots. But seriously, kudos to Belichick for putting together that game plan and containing Mahomes. But since we're talking about the Chiefs, I came up with this idea, Morton. We're about a quarter of the way through the season. We're actually exactly a quarter of the way through the season. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about the five teams that you played for. Okay. And I thought, why don't we have Morton give his former team power rankings? We're going to go one through five here. I think we can all guess who number one on that list is going to be. But we have the Chiefs, the Saints, the Giants, the Vikings, and the Falcons to choose from. Morton, what is your former team power rankings as we are a quarter of the way through the season?
0: So Kansas City Chiefs are going to be number one. They're the defending Super Bowl champions. They do win, although sometimes they win ugly, but they win and they're undefeated. They're the first team, the Chiefs now in NFL history to start their season 4-0, four years in a row. I saw that stat. I was like, wow, I didn't know that. So my Chiefs are number one.
1: Makes total sense. Right.
0: Then number 2 is going to be my Saints, my New Orleans Saints. Everybody's talking about Breeze and he can't throw the deep ball and listen, we have Michael Thomas who's still banged up. He's coming back. We'll be fine. We have lots of offensive weapons. Our defense will start to click. We have the best punter kicker duo in the league and great offensive mind in Sean Payton. So my New Orleans Saints are going to be number 2 in my power rankings. Number 3,
1: hmm. This is where it gets ugly. <laughs> Pick your
0: poison. I'm going with my Minnesota Vikings that I spent one year with. Kirk Cousins has disappointed. He's getting paid big bucks. They do have some firepower on the offensive side of the ball. So they did win their first game, which you know is a step in the right direction.
1: It got Bill O'Brien fired. It got
0: Bill O'Brien fired, which should have happened a while ago my opinion. So my Vikings are going to be number three, and then it's like a toss-up between four and five.
1: I think you have to go strength of roster here when you're going between two just awful teams, right? So you have to think the Falcons have more talent yeah. than clients, right?
0: Yeah. Although I watched the uh, Monday night game with Green Bay and the Falcons, and that defensive backfield just looked completely lost. There they they were receivers wide open rogers had the pick of the litter in some of the zone defenses that the falcons presented or lacked there it was just really not a good defense for a majority of the game and rogers just had a field day throwing the ball lots of open receivers but i am going to go with falcons here as the number four team out of my five teams they play carolina this week there's a chance they might get a win it's <laughs> it's tough it's tough to watch uh And uh, bringing up the rear, my New York football Giants. There's not much to say right there. They miss Saquon Barkley. I know that.
1: You can't really get too mad about the Giants with a first-year head coach losing the guy who his entire offense was probably built around. You got a second-year quarterback. So what more could you expect from the Giants? But the NFC East is so weak. Who knows? Maybe they sneak in somehow. Maybe they get on a rally here towards the end of the season, and the Giants can get in the playoffs.
0: Yeah. The Washington Football Club, they're bad. They're supposed to have a good defense. I mean, they do have a good front seven, but, you know, very suspect. And Philadelphia, Carson Wentz has been very erratic. I don't know. Are they wondering in Philly if they ever should have let Nick Foles walk? Is that head coach a couple of years removed from a Super Bowl victory? Is he on the hot seat now? You know, Philly's a tough sports town. There's not a lot of mercy there, man. I can hear the uh, sports shows down there, the radio shows and talk shows. I'm sure they're going crazy. Although they did win. They got a win. So they have a little bit of a, oh, take a deep breath. We live to see another week.
1: So there we go. Morton's former team power rankings. We go Chiefs one, Saints two, Vikings three, Falcons four, and Giants five. So I think if there's ever a change in that power ranking, we'll update it on the podcast but generally speaking, that's going to be the power ranking moving forward until someone makes a leap or someone falls in the rankings. What do you say? Does that work? Yeah,
0: that works for me. I mean, right now, that's uh, certainly the top two. The the last three could change quite a bit, I think, the way I'm looking at it right now. The first two are the, the cream of the crop.
1: All right, Morton, let's get to that conversation with Jim Kelly. I can't wait for it, so let's kick it.
0: Now I want to welcome in a uh, great friend, Buffalo legend, NFL legend, Pro Football Hall of Famer, an amazing guy, a great player, my friend Jim Kelly. How you doing, buddy?
2: I'm doing good.
0: How about yourself? Doing fantastic. You got to be pretty pleased right now with uh, the way the Bills are playing. And uh, I know we don't have the Bills Mafia up there, unfortunately, but pretty exciting play from Josh Allen and the current version of the Buffalo Bills. Uh, how well do you know Josh? Have you given him some pointers? I mean, you were the innovator of the K-Gun and the Bills back in the early 90s. So what do you see from Josh?
2: He looks good to me. We all have seen he's doing a job. He's supposed to uh, put points on the board, and he's doing it. And uh, you know what? The fans up here, even though we're not allowed at the as you well know more, they still are excited. I go around town, I hear... I'm a good friend with Josh. Uh, we've been to dinner many times with my wife and, of course, his girlfriend. And, yeah, this is uh, some good times so far up here. I just hope that they find some way somehow to keep him from running so much, even though there are times where those big runs are something we need. And, you know, it puts a defense in a situation where they have to watch for that. It's more of the run pass option mm-hmm. which we all love but those people out there that have seen me play they know I was not a run pass option quarterback I was a pass give it to Thurman in the Backfield another hall of famers what you all know and yes. I'll, do, I'll take care of the passing game you take care of the running game So I've been very blessed and, I, and I've liked so far what I've seen is there
0: one thing Jim that you can point to you know, with Josh, uh, one thing that you might have told him that you feel might have helped him or one piece of advice?
2: Well, I've, I've told him a number of times, uh, take what they give you. Um, a lot of times when you are a athletic quarterback, you drop back, and your first read is not there, and uh, you want to run with the football. And if you take what they give you, that will enable linebackers to come up a little bit more, and then that pass across the middle will be open more. And, uh, you know, I've I've told him a lot of things, but uh, uh, one of the things I I like seeing is when he puts air under the football, when he goes deep, that was something that I was taught by my college coach back in uh, Miami, Earl Morrill, which uh, if the listeners out there, if they're my age or a little older, they remember Earl Morrill. He was a quarterback for Miami Dolphins Mm -hmm. when they went undefeated. So he always told me that. And I told Josh that. And whether he listened to me about it, but he's a lot better doing the thing. But he's such a great athlete, and it's really good to see. And
0: he's tall, which helps him. And he's got a guy now in Stefan Diggs that Bill's traded for. You know, that raised a few eyebrows in the offseason, but so far so good. That gives you a deep threat for sure.
2: Well, it reminds me back when we got James Lockton. We had Andre Reed, We had Don Beebe. We had two great receivers. But we were more of a three-wide receiver team and we really need that speed on the outside. We went and got James Block, and I think in either 88 or 89. And yeah. uh, once we had him there, that completely, you know, opened up everything. No more double teaming Andre Reed. No more sliding the covers to Don B because of his speed. Now we got speed on both sides, and we get Andre in the middle. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely Stephon D coming in was a big plus.
0: So let's talk about briefly the teams in the 90s because, you know, I've been to your uh, – Celebrity golf outing in Buffalo, by the way. Great, great outing. And I'm honored to be asked to come every year, Jim. And I remember we're all in the corner there on Saturday night. And there, there's a little bar there. And, and, and you're busy, obviously, because there's a lot going on. You got a 1,000 people in there, maybe, maybe more, 1,500. I have always been, I don't want to say I'm envious of the relationship, that group of guys. And I'm talking now about Andre Reid, Thurman Thomas, Bruce Smith, You know, James Lofton certainly was part of that, but Biscuit, you know, Cornelius Bennett, Tally, Steve Tasker, that core group of guys that you had for those four or five years when you made the Super Bowl runs, it's just a special relationship. Can you speak a little bit about that chemistry that you guys have? Because it's something I just sit back, kind of fly on the wall and watch you guys interact. And I kind of wish sometimes, you know, that I had been on a football team, and I love my teammates, don't get me wrong, but that's just a special bond that you guys have.
2: That's really well said because when we're at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, we are one of the only teams that when, you know, when we take the pitcher, uh the group picture of all the Hall of Famers, when that's done, we always get our group guys together, all the Buffalo Bills, and we take our own picture. And I remember it and I'm not gonna point out names, oh here we go, the Buffalo Bills are gonna take their pictures again. I go, What are you jealous? And a lot I of people it. are because we are so close. And mm. even though I, I know that, you know, Cornelius Bennett definitely is a Hall of Famer, Ken Hall, who God rest his souls in heaven now, and Steve Castor, as you all know, being a special yes. teamer, he yes. will be in the pro football hall of fame one of these days. But We are so close, and I think what brought us so close is going to four Super Bowls in a row, not winning, knowing that we had to come together as a team. We had to, you know, be together, uh, and all the negativity that you hear when you don't win, like "Oh no, not the Buffalo Bills again." We had to stay together as a tight, close-knit football team. But we also had an owner and uh, a head coach, Marv Levy, who knew how to treat us. he knew how to, you know, talk to us. And that team, to this day, as you well know, are so close. And we, we're on a group chat. We have eight or nine of us that are on a weekly text mm-hmm. messages, group text, and sometimes it does drive me nuts. And a lot of times I don't <laughs> even chime in. I go, you know what, I'm not saying one thing. I'll just let those guys chime in and chirp on each other, and I just sit back and laugh. But, uh, yeah, we are a very, very close team and still are.
0: And what's unique about it, at least from an outsider looking in and, you know, I played for 25 years and I had great, like I said, I played with Cornelius with Biscuit in Atlanta. But every guy, you can take any of those guys that I mentioned earlier that you're alluding to, they're all very, very strong personalities. They're all type A guys, very forceful. I mean, if you want a conversation, if you want to get a word in. And, you know, I've heard you're pretty good at the gift of gab, too. I mean, I know Jim. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, which is great. Hey, but being in that little group, I was lucky enough just to kind of stand around and listen. It's a little bit of a cluster. I've got to be honest with you, because. Oh, yeah. Who's got the
2: floor? You know, who's on first? Who's on second? And it's almost like a competitive thing there, you know? Yeah. And you know what? I, when I'm with most of those guys, even, you know, I've had my issues with my cancer. That sort of slowed me down a little bit. I, I listen a lot more than I chime in. I There's enough entertainment with Bruce and Thurman and Biscuit and Daryl and them mm. talking jacking each other that I don't even need to chime in. I just sit back and listen. It's like a show. And uh, we it's, always get together, and that's exactly just the way you said it. Everybody has their two cents in, but their two cents, they want to make sure everybody hears it. So I, I nowadays – I mean, back in the day, all yeah, trust me, we we all chimed in. But now I sort of just sit back, I listen, I open my ears up, I laugh, I chuckle. I'll chime yeah. in every once in a while, but I let those guys be the entertainment.
0: <laughs> I know much has been said and publicized about your health and your battle with cancer. How are you feeling and how is your health?
2: I'm, I'm good so far. Uh, I just had my MRI last week and everything came back negative, which thank God now I got four more months oh my before my next one. I just had ankle replacement surgery uh, three or four months ago. So I'm titanium for my ankle, my knee, my lower back, my neck, and my jaw. So I'm the $6 million man from top to bottom. I mean, I, I've covered every angle. I've got foot i got knee i got back i got neck and now i got jaw so i'm i'm pretty much covered all over there but uh, you know what i'm still blessed the good lord has decided that he's going to use me in a way to make a difference for others and that's what i do now i travel the country speaking as much yeah. as everybody can understand me with uh you know how i talk now but uh, the thing is uh he has a plan for me and that's to be able to make a difference for others or fighting for their tomorrow and uh, there's so many people out there that don't have the supporting cast like I've had with my two daughters, my wife, and, of course, my five brothers. So I've been very, very blessed. As you well know, I'm still here. I'm 60 years old, and I get to go and share my story with everybody. As a matter of fact, I've teamed up with the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and we are doing a major motion picture on me and my wife's life. The things that we've been through, the things I've been through early on in my life, and uh, we're doing a, a film, and uh, the script is almost done, and uh, our next move is getting a producer and director in that Pro Football Hall of Fame, David Baker and George Veris have uh, been a big part of that, and they're helping out, and hopefully it will be out in 2022.
0: Well, let me know if you need a uh, stand-in kicker. I'm happy to... Uh... Provide left leg for that.
2: <laughs> hey, oh, yeah. They they were thinking about having Danny DeVito play you.
0: <laughs> that's a low shot, man. That's a, that's a low shot. I'm
2: 6'2". Danny's 3'11". Uh, Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> they might have to have a little hair to his head. <laughs>
0: oh, boy. What is the um, – when we talk about lessons in life – I guess the health scare and what you had taught you, number one, gratitude,
2: right? Yep. And uh, looking at the big picture and give more than you take. Well, you know what the thing is? I grew up in a family of six boys and, uh, you know, growing up with, you know, five brothers and um, always the fighting at the dinner table, wanting to get the last bite, uh, always out in the yard and never wanting your little brothers to hang out with you. And just all those things I learned, but when you learn more than anything that is if you want something in life, you got to work at it. Nothing's ever going to be given to you. And I know in this day and age, there's so many kids out there that with their social media and all the things that are going on that sometimes they take it for granted. But I'll tell you what, I, I, I was brought up in a family. If you want it, you got to work at it. And, uh, I've been always blessed, and I always looked up and thanked the Lord for everything I had. And I know that we've all been through tough times in our life, but uh, God only gives you what you can handle, and I, that's the way I look at it. It's all about your attitude. We all go through tough times, but it's your attitude and surround yourself with good quality people. And as mm-hmm. I said before, that I've been always blessed in that situation. So I thank God what I got. I have great family around me. My five brothers are still here. As a matter of fact, my little brother is in surgery right now, have his back operated as we speak. So, um, mm. but you know what? The bottom line is I, I looked at, it, I go, you know what? I don't have it that bad. There's so many people to have it worse than I do. And I just, uh, keep pressing on each and every day.
0: What was the go-to meal at the Kelly household? What were you fighting over? I mean, it has gotta be a favorite dinner.
2: <laughs> Goulash, uh, meatloaf, uh, spaghetti. Um, and when Fridays came around a lot of times, and, and this is wild to say, but, uh, we look forward to having uh, a pot pie um, or TV dinner. Those at times were different because my dad worked as a steel worker. My mother worked in the cafeteria at our high school, and we didn't have a lot growing up. But you know what? We appreciate everything we have. But uh, my mother made the best uh, goulash, and, and for those people, it's uh, nice noodles and meat. And but uh, my favorite, always from my mother, was stuffed green peppers um she made the oh, best oh, yeah. and all uh, i i loved them and the way she did it she had a big big old pot and she would you know boil the the meat and the sauce and make her own sauce and then put the peppers in all stuffed mm-hmm. already in her and let that simmer for a couple hours oh my goodness make me hungry
0: well, that's why you were linebacker size now i read somewhere the penn state actually recruited you to play linebacker is that true
2: Yep, that was, uh, well, you know, where I grew up, you were either Pitt or Penn State, and I was always a big Penn State guy, and that's where I wanted to go to uh, school at, college, and I went to a football camp my junior and senior year. I was recruited to play linebacker also by some teams, but I knew I wanted to play linebacker, and, you know, he, Joe Paterno called me a couple weeks before, and he said, we've already got our two quarterbacks we want, but we'll give you a full ride, but as a linebacker, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I was bummed, doctor. That's why I wanted to play quarterback, and uh, there's a long story that goes with this. Yeah. But the bottom line is, I knew I wanted to play quarterback, and I wound up signing with University of Miami.
0: Yeah, and Coach Snellenberger was an innovator, wasn't he? You was special down there, and uh, you built something. Now you didn't. You didn't win a championship, but you certainly built for the future for that rocket ship that was Jimmy Johnson at the U. Yeah, and you have to feel pretty good about what you established and what your team's established at the
2: Well, when I went there, they were ready to throw football out the window and I knew that at, at the time, I was recruited by uh, Lou Saban. And Lou Saban was a professional coach, Coach, as a matter of fact here in Buffalo. And he went there and um, Schnellenberger came in the year after. He wound up leaving Miami and Schnellenberger came in. He brought Earl Moore with him. So that's when I really uh, thrived in that style of offense, more of the pro style offense. And We took it off from here. We had a good football team, but my junior, senior year, we were on probation. And then uh, the year after we were off probation, I I left. And that's when um, they really started really skyrocketing and started doing good, winning the national championship, I think, four or five times. And, yeah, we're we're still a good football team, not quite what we used to be, but hopefully we'll get that back.
0: I loved uh, the USFL, man. I was a fan, and uh, we had a team in New Orleans, the Breakers. You go to the Houston Gamblers. Any regrets uh, initially of deciding to play in the USFL versus going in the NFL?
2: Zero. Absolutely none. I mean, that's where I really learned the passing game uh, was when I played with, you know, for Moss Davis, uh, as far as my offense coordinator, Jack Parkey, was our head coach. And as a matter of fact, after two years of playing in Houston, we merged with the New Jersey Generals. And guess who the owner was? That would be Trump. Yep, Donald Trump was our owner, and we had a mini camp, and I was excited because I had Herschel Walker in my backfield, they were calling it the Dream Team, and boom. Unfortunately, the league bolted, and then I signed, probably made one of the best decisions of my life was becoming a Buffalo Bill, and here I am uh, since 1986, been a Buffalo Bill resident, and uh, oh, I will no. die here. Hopefully, I'll all for many, many more years. Do you think, ever that
0: spring football, Jim,
2: like the XFL, it looked good, but
0: it had some momentum, and so then the pandemic happened. Do you think spring football is a viable thing? I mean, is it going to happen?
2: I don't know. Um, I've got so many things on my schedule. I hardly have time to even look at stuff like that. And Yeah, I mean, yeah. it'd be good because there's coaches, there's players out there that only if they were given a real good, legit chance, to show what they can do. I think that's a good platform for some kids, but um, I don't know. I think they can make it happen, but I think well, was the Rock but wind up buying a part of it or buying it now? So who knows where it's going, but you know what? I'm an NFL guy. I watch the NFL, and if there's a platform for some kids out there that maybe they're not going to get that chance, maybe it's good for you a know, handful of guys or coaches that they can uh, get that little extra uh, vision uh, look from you know general manager. When we
0: get older, and I just turned 60, Jim, I mean, you came in a time when there was some
2: unbelievable
0: quarterbacks. You know, you talk about Marino, Elway, Steve Young, you know, Brett Favre, Aikman, Montana. I mean, the, it was just stacked. And, you know, Marino goes to one Super Bowl, doesn't win it. And I think people just underestimate, and I don't know if they appreciate the fact that you guys go to four it's so hard to go to one and win one or lose one for that matter. It's so hard. We know. But you guys go to four. When we talk about the legacy, to me anyway, the legacy is that you guys played at a high level. You played at a high level, and you took a team in a system that was pretty revolutionary, that k you offense, know, that no huddle that people really hadn't seen. And you did it for a long time very effectively. So to me, when people talk about Montana as being one of the greatest or Brady, I got to put you up there, man, right up at the top with all those guys I just mentioned. Not because you guys lost four Super Bowls, but because you put the Bills in the position to be in four Super Bowls. (laughs) What a privilege that is. When you look at your legacy, and I know how you feel about personal stuff and your health and your faith. I respect that so much. Where do you see yourself with
2: all these other guys, your contemporaries? Well, here's the thing. When you mentioned four Super Bowls, the key word in in that is in a row. It'd be different if we went to four Super Bowls, you know, one in 1988, 90, 94, 96, but we went in a row. And to be able to do that, and nobody will ever do that. I mean, that's, it's unbelievable to be able to do that. And, yeah, the bottom line is we didn't win it. And as you well know more, it could be one play could be the difference between winning or losing, whether, as you know, one yeah. field goal, a fumble, a interception in, in a game can be the turning point. I've seen so many games turn because of one play, and a lot of it has to do with an interception. Oh, that guy would have just intercepted that. This game's over. I mean, there's so many little – bits and pieces in games that could be the difference in turn a complete football game around right away i've seen it happen so many times one play could be the difference i'm proud of what we did yeah we didn't win and um you know what i would never put my name up there for one of the best because you know what i would should have had to been able to do what i had to do to win one or two or three of those and i didn't do it i'm just you know i'm going to just be honest with you, the GOAT that I feel is Tom Brady. I think he's the greatest of all time. I think to look at uh, Joe Montana, as you said, is one of the other ones. But, you know, you look at Drew Brees. You look at some of these other quarterbacks that are playing nowadays. To be able to uh, play in the league that they are now, they're blessed because you can't touch a quarterback anymore, which is the way it should be because I don't want to – now I don't want to see the backup play. I want to see the main guy, but they can't be touched. And more importantly for the quarterback, more is the receivers. You can't touch a receiver after he leaves five yards down the field. You can't hit him coming over the middle. So there's a lot of added pluses to what you see nowadays. But I'm proud to say I'm a Buffalo Bill. I'm proud to say that I did lead my team to force it, both win or not win. I hope we get back to getting fans back in the stands. There's nothing more dynamic
0: than having the Bills mafia <laughs> in pregame, jumping off cars. And smashing <laughs>
2: No, I don't want to see that. <laughs> I, do. I do. That's some wackadoodles. Yeah, you got that right. But, hey, Mort, I want to say happy birthday to you, bud. Hey, you take care of yourself. God bless you. Hopefully, uh, we'll see each other down the road soon. But uh, it's always good talking with you. You are one of the greatest to ever play in your position. And welcome to the Hall of Fame. And uh, I definitely will see you soon.
0: Jim, thank you very much. Much love your way to you and your family and be safe. Back at you, bud. Later. When I think of some of the legends of the game, there's truly no one in the history of the NFL that has a resume like his that has those experiences of, well, you tell me, four Super Bowls. Think about it. In a row. I mean, appearing in four Super Bowls in a row, how difficult that is. I don't care about the result in the Super Bowl, but just the getting to the Super Bowl part is what's so mind-blowing to me, Tommy.
1: It's crazy because you think about the guys that always get talked about as the all-time greats, right? Like Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Steve Young. What's one thing all of those guys have in common? All of them only started in one Super Bowl game in their entire careers. And I know Rodgers and Brees are still doing it, but That just shows you how difficult it is to get to that game. How about Dan Marino? Exactly. Marino did it once in the 80s. What, his second season or his rookie year? Rookie year, I think it was. And we're thinking, oh, he's going to be
0: back there four or five times. He's going to win a ton of them. He doesn't get a sniff.
1: It's insane. So I don't think the Bills of the 90s get enough credit, honestly, for doing what they did. I think Hall of Fame voters have given them enough credit because you look at that roster, it's full of guys that are in Canton or going to be in Canton one day. But the football public in general, I think, ignores what that team did in that era. It's really incredible what he was able to help that team achieve in that decade.
0: And the Bills were loaded on both sides of the ball with really, I mean, big players. And you take a look at all the gold jackets in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and there are a ton of Buffalo Bills in there. Bruce Smith, Andre Reed, Thurman Thomas, and more to come. You know, to me, Cornelius Bennett should be in there. Steve Tasker should be in there. Lofton is in there as well. I mean, you have to think of him as a Bill A very fascinating story with Jim, a very fascinating team and a time where it was just unheard of to do. You know, you think about the 70s and the four Super Bowls that the Steelers went to and they did win, but they weren't four in a row. I just don't ever see that being replicated, that one team goes to four championship games in a row. Do you see that, Tom?
1: No, I don't think it's going to happen again because- with this era of free agency and the way teams have guys on short deals and the way teams like to have younger players to fill out the bottom half of that roster, it's just really hard to build a roster that can do that in four straight years with a league that has so much parity. You know, when teams have success, when they get to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl, other teams go off and pick off those guys that were maybe a tier B or tier C player from that roster. Mm. Um, Good point, you Megan. Yeah, What the Patriots did over a 20-year span is insane because they kept replenishing those guys that weren't necessarily stars for teams but were important in the greater goal. Those types of players go off and make big money with other teams. It's really hard to do what the Bills did then, now, and I don't think it's going to happen.
0: I really don't. Yeah, to your point, I mean, the Patriots, they're not out there harvesting the
1: Hoyers of the world. Oh, my God. How dare you?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to segue away and just say that it was a great conversation. It was a great conversation with Jim Kelly. I'll have more on Jim, of course, in my Game Winner segment at the end of the podcast. But first, Freeze Pops, we got to talk about our next Twitter giveaway.
1: Yeah. So this past week, we did a giveaway on Twitter. Morton tweeted out the Hall of Fame postcard with his signature on it. We had three winners. So we're going to send those off. Congrats to those winners. And thank you again for following us on Twitter. But we want to do another Twitter giveaway. And you and I were brainstorming and you came up with an interesting idea. You said you got a lot of old shoes laying around. Why don't you explain this?
0: (laughs) And I'm not talking about kicking shoes. I'm just talking about loafers, dress shoes, tennis shoes, uh, running shoes. And I thought it'd be a really fun idea since I made my living with my left foot is to just grab, you know, a couple of those shoes, left foot. I'll sign them in gold or silver or something that looks sweet, depending on the color of the shoe. And then we'll have another contest, and the winners will get one of my absolutely I'll make sure I put some odor eaters in there. I mean, it's not going to be a a stinky shoe. It might be. I don't know. There might be a surprise inside the shoe. How about that?
1: I'm really scared for what this surprise is going to (laughs) be. I hope it's not a stench.
0: I'm not going to reveal what the surprise is, but...
1: No, I I love it. (laughs) and I I think it's hilarious and I'm all in. So we're going to have that up on our Twitter feed Thursday morning. It's going to be a picture of the first shoe that we do a Twitter giveaway for. You can win that by retweeting that tweet and following us on Twitter. Retweet Morton's tweet of the shoe and follow us on Twitter at Great Dane Nation. And you will be entered <laughs> in the contest to yeah. win one of Morton's Hall of Fame shoes. So good luck to everyone on that. And let's get to my conversation with Kevin Rogers from Vegas Insider. VegasInsider.com is the global leader for sports gaming information, and it's your authority for the newest and best sports gambling podcasts. Every week, we're going to be joined by one of our Vegas Insider experts to make us a little smarter. And this week, we welcome back Vegas Insider expert and host of the Bet and Collect podcast, Kevin Rogers. Kevin, what's going on?
3: Tom, good to be back. Hopefully things can go a little better this week as far as uh, things going on around the NFL with the COVID situations. But, uh, again, just got to take it uh,
1: as it comes, right? Exactly. Things a little dicey out there, but – Hoping for everyone to stay safe and healthy. Hey, make sure you check out the latest from Kevin on VegasInsider.com. He's got podcasts, picks, the man does it all. And follow him on Twitter at VIRogers. And Kevin, with Jim Kelly joining us on the podcast this week, I think the Bills would be a great place for us to start. They're playing the Titans on Sunday, negative COVID tests permitting. Bills are currently 4-0 and with a two-game lead over the Patriots in the AFC East. Josh Allen is an early season MVP candidate with 12 touchdowns and one interception. I can't even really believe I'm saying this. Are the Bills actually a real Super Bowl contender this season?
3: I mean, in the AFC, you got to say, or at least this season, you have to say everyone is a contender because you want to make the Chiefs out to be, not you specifically, but people want to make the Chiefs out to be, you know, the team to beat, which is fine. But we just know how hard it is to repeat in the NFL to repeat as champions. And the Chiefs actually play the Bills uh, next week. So that should be a very interesting game. But uh, look, Josh Allen has played very well for Buffalo in that draft where, you know, you had Sam Darnold and there you had Josh Rosen. And yet Josh Allen out of Wyoming ends up being, you know, one of the top players. I mean, Lamar Jackson was also in that draft too. And we saw what he did last year. But, you know, Buffalo, the only question I have about them so far is – They've taken care of business against teams like the Dolphins and the Jets and the Raiders. Well, they beat the Rams in a game they were up big, and then the Rams came back and took the lead, and then Buffalo beat them at the end. But it's just about what's going to happen when Buffalo plays New England, when they play Kansas City, that when they play the better teams, the AFC, how are they going to be? That's kind of my concern with them. I can't take away what they've done. They've been very good. Allen's played well. Stephon Diggs a great addition. They're very good defensively. It's just about the schedule so far has been helpful for them to start 4-0. But uh, I think that we'll learn some things about them moving forward.
1: You mentioned the top teams in the AFC. So let's start with the Chiefs for our quick picks. We got the Raiders at Chiefs. Kansas City opened up as an 11 and a half point favorite. That number is all the way up to 13. And as I discussed earlier on the podcast with Morton, the Chiefs are coming off a game where it took them until the third quarter to get anything going. Kevin, why are the Chiefs such heavy favorites in this one? Well, I
3: mean, look, uh, you know, Kansas City, we know what they can do offensively and New England's defense did the best they could to shut down Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, that powerful offense last week, it's just that the quarterback play was uh, not very good, as you would know, with the Patriots, with Brian Hoyer. They had opportunities to score and they didn't. But uh, the Chiefs, they were held down as much as the Patriots could hold them down. And, And, you know, it should be a blueprint, hopefully, for other teams moving forward. But we know the Raiders are not very good defensively. So, that's, you know, an issue there. And the Raiders started the season 2-0, and but they've gone backwards the last few weeks, you know, against good competition against the Patriots and the Bills. So it should be no surprise that Kansas City is laying at least 9 or 10 at home every week. And we've seen that already against Houston in the opener. We saw that against the Patriots when, again, Cam plays, they're laying seven. Cam doesn't play their double-digit favorite. So that one we know is a little skewed. I'm not surprised by this line. And, you know, we heard the uh, the news that one of the Raiders had a positive COVID test. You kind of wonder, you know, how that's going to affect things moving forward. And, and, again, you saw last week the Chiefs and Patriots the game got postponed from Sunday to Monday. Maybe they shouldn't have played Monday, but that doesn't matter. The game's over with. I just think that, you know, Kansas City at this point... As long as they're not playing Baltimore, I'm not surprised that they're at least a touchdown favorite in every game moving forward.
1: Let's head to Pennsylvania for the battle between Philly and Pittsburgh. Eagles are at Heinz Field coming off their first win in San Francisco last weekend. The Steelers had a last second unplanned buy because of COVID postponements. Steelers are seven point favorites in this one. Kevin, what's your read?
3: You know, Philadelphia had that tough start to the season where they lost that game to Washington, and then they had a horrible performance at home against the Rams, a horrible performance against the Bengals, and then they found a way to put it together against the San Francisco team last week that was all beat up, but I can't take away from what the Eagles did in that game, and now you say, do you have momentum coming into this game against Pittsburgh, and they're facing a Steelers team, again, they were thrown off last week because of the game postponing against the Titans, so they had their bye week, and now... They can kind of reset the cards. But Carson Wentz, he's got a lot of injuries he's got to deal with on, on his offense. But the Eagles' defense face Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard. And now you're facing Ben Roethlisberger. And we know the Steelers can light it up. And so far, what Pittsburgh has done, you know, they've beaten a few teams that aren't exactly. Super Bowl contenders, but I'm also not going to take away from what the Steelers have done so far. I mean, the three wins have come against the Giants, who are winless, the Texans, who are winless, and the Broncos, who have one win, but they beat the winless Jets. So they haven't exactly beaten good competition, but Again, like I said, it's like with Buffalo. We can't take that away from them, that these are the teams they have to play. And nobody thought that, you know, Drew Locke wouldn't be able to play in that game or he got hurt in the game against Pittsburgh. And the Giants were supposed to be improved, and they're not. And, you know, Houston was a playoff team last year. And, you know, that was still a tough game. But I'd probably look at Pittsburgh here just because, you know, I don't know if the Eagles can do it again a second straight week. Uh, You know, they were very fortunate because San Francisco is such a beat-up team right now.
1: The final game I want to hit on with you is, to me, the most interesting from a gambling perspective, and that's the Colts as one-and-a-half-point favorites on the road against the red-hot Cleveland Browns. Colts opened up as two-and-a-half-point favorites. Kevin, why are the Browns home dogs?
3: Well, Indianapolis has the best defense in the league, and, you know, now again, I feel like I'm repeating myself, that the Colts, who they play the last few weeks— Chicago, 3-0, but we know they're not a 3-0 team. They beat the Jets, who were terrible, and they beat Minnesota, who didn't get their first win until last week against Houston. So, And they lost to Jacksonville inexplicably in week one. So the Colts have not played a terribly difficult schedule, but you know they're 3-1. Cleveland, they did win that game at Dallas last week, but Dallas' defense is horrible, and Dallas if it wasn't for that ridiculous onside kick that Atlanta didn't recover. They should be 0-4 on the season in spite of all the talent they have offensively. But, I mean, I'm not totally, I'm not against the Colts here being a road favorite because they played well defensively. Offensively, they got held to four field goals against Chicago last week. That's a little bit, you know, of a concern. They got the one early touchdown. They got held to four field goals, but also they kept Chicago out of the end zone until the final few minutes of the game. And Cleveland, again, who have they beaten? Cincinnati, who got their first win last week with a rookie quarterback. Washington, who's got quarterback issues, and Dallas, who has no defense at all. And Cleveland was run by Baltimore in week one. So you kind of say to yourself, all these teams we're talking about, Cleveland and Indianapolis and Buffalo and Pittsburgh, I guess it's kind of the theme with all these games we're talking about here, that what have they proven so far? And again, you got to give them time to play the better teams and, and see what they can do. Like, we'll see what the Colts do when they play the Titans, let's just say, you know, later on in the season. But, I mean, I would probably lean Colts here. I mean, I don't love the game. I think it's a little too much of a coin flip. But I see why the Colts should be favored because— you know, Cleveland for as well as they played, you have been facing a terrible defense in Dallas to an excellent defense in Indianapolis. So, you know, it's gonna be a big test for the Browns.
1: Kevin, thank you so much for joining us again. And before I let you go, tell everyone what you're working on and where they can find it.
3: Well, we have the Bet and Collect podcast again coming up uh, this week. It should be released on Thursday. And we have our videos on our YouTube channel at Vegas Insider for Thursday night football for Bucks Bears for Sunday night. We'll have the Seahawks and Vikings Monday night, the Chargers and Saints wherever they play that game due to the hurricane that's coming to that area. And also we have our contest picks. So we have a lot to to check out, as well as some of the write-ups for uh, those games as well.
1: And remember to check out VegasInsider.com slash GDN for your free weekly pick for the NFL weekend. That's VegasInsider.com slash GDN. Kevin, thanks for the time today. All right, Tom, you got it. Thank you. And now, Morton Anderson's game winner.
0: In 25 years of professional football, I went to one Super Bowl, won and lost. Imagine going to four championship games in a row and losing all of them. It's a heavy burden for the ones who experienced it and the sting lingers permanently. It has to because it's so difficult to get there in the first place to just one final dance, let alone four in a row, unheard of never duplicated and probably never will be but that is what the buffalo bills did to say that i can relate would be a gross misrepresentation you see when i walked off that field in miami back in early february 1999 after my first and only super bowl experience i didn't feel like the best loser i just felt empty and deflated like any of the other players on the 30 teams, would fallen short of the Lombardi Trophy. Would I ever be back again for another shot at a title? Or was this as good as it was going to get? Well, with time came the answer. This was it. This was indeed the closest I would ever come to football nirvana. So how do the Buffalo Bills of the 90s cope with their four? almost there, surely it'll happen now, cannot be the same again this year experiences. They circle the wagons and take care of each other, and in the middle of it all is a man who's as tough as nails, who's been through the ringer, and who defines what Buffalo is and what it stands for. His name is Jim Kelly, and he's Kelly Tough for Buffalo, his family, faith, friends, and himself. I know Jim as a colleague and friend and as someone who always gives it to you straight. He's the alpha male for sure, but also shows his compassion and respect for others through his Kelly for Kids Foundation and many, many other charitable endeavors. In a time when social followers dictate how celebrities spend their time, Jim Kelly has stayed true to his vision of helping others in his community, Buffalo at Western New York. He is as unwavering in his determination to beat cancer as he is in his faith that what doesn't kill us makes us stronger, tougher. He leads by example and motivates through his actions and his perseverance. He has learned from past experiences that the world of suck can punch you hard in the gut, but you don't have to buckle. You stand tall with your Buffalo Bills brothers with whom you shared so much success and anguish and say to the world, we're Buffalo, we're proud, and we are Kelly Tough. We'll see you next time.
1: Great Dane Nation is presented by VegasInsider.com, the global leader in sports gaming information and your authority for the newest and best sports gambling podcasts. A big thanks to Jim Kelly for joining us this week and thanks to Kevin Rogers and the team at Vegas Insider. Remember to visit VegasInsider.com GDN for your free weekly pick for the NFL weekend. Great Dane Nation is available on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review today.